Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hey. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Good. And that's the best that could be expected in these times. Uh, we have a special guest today. She's back. It's Rosenny. Hi, Rosenny. Yay. Hi. Welcome Hi. back to uh, Outrageous. You listeners, you may remember Roseni is uh, Outrageous's spiritual advisor, and we brought her back because we love her and we wanted to check in with her. So, hi, welcome back. So good to be back. So good to be back. We should let everyone know that Roseni shared that she took a shower before the podcast, which is, I don't think she understands how the technology works, but it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. We're glad to see you. And uh, it's it's good to know that you smell okay. If this is what prompted good hygiene, Rosenny, then we'll take it. <laughs> and I'm so excited because she's joining us during a pandemic. And if you don't need a spiritual advisor during a pandemic, yeah. what do you, need do? you need one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will warn you, people are really losing all those fake doctors out there. So we're blessed that you're what do you mean fake doctors? Um, Dr. Phil, Dr. No. Oz. No, these people aren't doctors. Who remembers? Do you remember? Dr. Oz just recently said that, you know, a, like a million school children dying for reopening the schools early is it's not bad. That's not bad. Did you hear him say that? No. <laughs> he was calculating. He, no. It was just math was difficult for him. Yeah, you know what though? He, no, no, it wasn't difficult. He was like really paying attention to the percentage. He wasn't thinking well, about percentage because to, just to catch everyone up, the, he, he had said something on Fox News about how well we should open the schools because it says that there will only be like one to two percent fatalities, which isn't that bad. Although one to two one to two percent of fatalities of all American school children is like several hundred thousand children, and so he's like a couple of like a million kids dead is you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so Dr. Oz, those people aren't really doctors, um, by the way. He's Just a doctor, though. He is a well, doctor. he's actually a doctor. Uh, Dr. Oz is. Dr. Medical you know doctor. What? Dr. He Oz. can't practice anymore. He lost his license to practice. After what? that statement. That. Yeah. No, no. Who <laughs> no. Was, it? Or was it also Dr. Phil? Dr. Phil also lost his He's not able to practice. Dr. Dr. Phil Dr. hasn't Phil. been a doctor. No, he was a He hasn't been a doctor in a long time. Yeah. 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 He hasn't practiced yeah. in a long time. I don't he think doesn't he practice. Not an MD. Dr. Not an MD. I think he was a psychologist of some sort. Yeah, he's a, mm -hmm. he is a PhD. He's yeah. terrible. He's terrible. Rosenny, uh, how have you been doing? Let's start there. Pretty well. I can't say anything else. Like It's uh, uncharacteristically well, and then there comes the discomfort with that. Well, that's deep. I feel like I'm supposed to be freaking out. <laughs> Although... That's a fair point, because I read recently of like, uh, I think he was a science reporter who had been screaming like, help, this is a disaster. This is a disaster. And once the numbers of the number of deaths started increasing in the U.S. and people started to go, oh, this is serious. He said he had his first good night's sleep because he was like, I didn't have to keep scream panic yeah. anymore. It was yeah. like, oh, here's sense. what I was telling you all. It yeah. is here, and now I can go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Which so is counterintuitive, but you know. Rosenny, you work as a counselor, yes? 
Yes, I work as a therapist. I should I should put some context in that. I was supposed to get married uh, March 29th, and so the wedding got canceled, and 180 people had to figure out something else to do with themselves. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, there were some logistical difficulties with that, and then there's the trauma of, you know, canceling something that you were looking forward to in such a way. Um, it was confirmed for me today that one of my relatives is COVID-19 positive and they're fine, but we certainly avoided lots of people being exposed. Um, you know, like there's a lot of, this person has had it for 30 days. Um, so there's a lot of uh, misinformation, well, not even misinformation, like the, inf the best information that they have available just isn't great. So, of course, I'm anxious. Of course, you know, like, I don't think any one of us is going to be untouched by this, but you just breathe through it. Like, what am I going to do? You know, if you want to be alive, you just find a way to be okay. In your, are you still working? Are you still able to see people? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I took this I'm, week off though. I took this week off. I'm so interested and just out and out nosy. How are your clients dealing with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little I bit mean, about what, how this is affecting people. It ebbs and flows. So the first week that I met with my clients from home, I said to them, um, you know, this is uh, disrupting everyone's routines. And as a result, everyone's feeling vulnerable and things feel very shaken up and people are going to respond to that in all kinds of ways. So you should expect that one moment you're going to be feeling okay. And the next moment you might not, you might feel one day that you're holding it together and really well. And the next moment you might not. Um, this is a time to really double down on being intentional regarding your self-care. So let yourself get enough sleep as best as you can. Be mindful of your watching of the news. Really limit your consumption of the news to, you know, reputable sources. And once a day, you know, find some kind of way to get the information you need. But really, like, take walks, take baths, you know, do yoga, do whatever it is that you can to really take care of yourself. And the first the week after that, most of my clients were like, uh, is it wrong that I'm liking this? Week after that, they were like, things are getting weird, you know, um, or like the problems that they came to therapy for in the first place kind of like started to get their attention again. And by the third week, they were just like, things are weird, -er, you know, but I don't, I think it's just like fatigue getting to me overall. So it's just kind of accumulating, but it's ups and downs. Like on any given week, some of my clients are feeling really, really great and still thriving and others are feeling shook and then it'll flip. I think they're doing remarkably well. Um, you know, like the energy I feel from my clients is not the energy that I feel when I go to the grocery store, for example. What's that energy like? Tense. Everybody's tense. And it's crazy because you don't, they want you to not touch your face. Do they know you touch your face more when you wear a mask? I'm, I, I'm wearing a mask because the path of least resistance, right? Like I don't need to add to anyone else's anxiety by them observing me not wearing a mask. But it's just like there's just so much tension. Like I, people are literally doing like cartwheels to get six feet away from you in the grocery store. It's like I just want an onion. <laughs> I just want an onion. I find in the grocery store people are entirely too close to me at all times. I'm like <laughs> one person per aisle, please. 
Like, I'm in the bread aisle. You'll wait till I've selected my English muffins. And then when I move on, you may enter because there's just not enough room. Those aisles, you can't get far away from people. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Rosani? So when you are, you know, having a session with someone who's experiencing and communicating a lot of anxiety, I'm curious, like, what that does to you? Because I, I, I could see it going either way. On the one hand, I could see even though may not be able to show it, it could stir up some anxiety in you. At the same time, though, you're performing a certain important role where you, you know, need to be a, authority is not the right word, but you need to be a caretaker. Like being in that role does actually help and you're able to like stay centered when you're in that conversation or like do you finish those sessions and like you need to go do some self-care? So the reason why I took off this week is because I feel an incredible responsibility to hold it together for my clients when I see them. And how, what holding it together, I'm still doing the same things that I would do then, but you know, like, um, I meditate every morning, like I told you guys before, um, you know, and, and we're trained as therapists to not to like bear witness to our clients' experiences without absorbing them, Yeah. you know? And so, and, and I, I think I said before that what I perceive my responsibility is, is to hold, to, to tune in and to hold on to the vision of you as your highest and best self. So that's what I'm vibrating with. You know, your anxiety is just a temporary moment in time. And, you know, you will come back to your highest self at some point in time, you know. And so I'm more resonating with that more than anything. But that does get exhausting after time, which is why. And then these times, like, I feel even much more of a need to to be present in that way, which I don't think is healthy. I mean, I, I... you're always supposed to be in therapy as a therapist, but I definitely have started again with my therapist, with a therapist, because I need support. Yeah. One of the things I find is particularly concerning about COVID is all the death, um, for sure. And then after that, it has really attacked the human need and obsession with getting together with other humans. And I think what has particularly given me some thoughts and feelings is watching people who cannot attend funerals. Ooh, that happens to a client of mine. Uh, can't go to religious get-togethers like Easter. Mm-hmm. What happened in the middle in the midst of this? And what I'm struck by is that there's a lot of people who, for them, like whether they be old or disconnected, like especially religious gatherings are a social thing for them. It's, yeah, it's yeah, part yeah. of their psych- psychological like their syntonic self. Mm -hmm. How does that, how do you think about that? Like how are people able to express that part of their religiosity, which the community aspect without the community? It's a challenge. My client who couldn't go to their relative's funeral thought of a way of like sharing ideas with other relatives, like memories of that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that gave them an opportunity at least to commune in that way. This is kind of tangential, but I think it's relevant to this conversation. So I was talking to a friend of mine who's single and was saying that they miss physical touch and intimacy, right? Like they miss dating. But this person is around other relatives and is around other people that they also are very close to. They're just not able to date right now, right? I was saying that like intimacy exists on a spectrum and uh, like, or I should say sexual intimacy exists on a spectrum. And on that spectrum is intimacy that we experience between friends, 
it could be a hug from a relative who is a safe person that we can hug or somebody else that we can touch. It could be an intimate moment with yourself, indulging in a warm bath or wearing a weighted blanket. Like all of these things. Oh, are that's kind not of- what I thought you meant. Well, I knew Chris was going to go there. I, knew <laughs> I just knew that was coming. Why? You know what? Don't assign those thoughts to me. You thought about it too. Well, I was right. so what, did think no what did you think it, I meant? No. I don't know. God. We try to keep this podcast G-rated, Rosanny. Okay, fine. No, so, we don't. I thought you were talking about masturbation. All of that. That too. Okay. See, she was talking about it. No, I wasn't talking about that. (laughs) But what I'm I'm saying, though, is like, it's important to tune in into what is the energetic quality that you're missing. Like when you talk about community or when you talk any of these words, right? And are there ways for you to tap into that energy by yourself at home, right? And so it might mean figuring out how to do, use technology to have service with your peers, you know, it might mean playing gospel music very loudly so that and remembering the choir when they sang that song so beautifully. You know, I, my minister sent me um, his Easter service and I haven't gone to service in forever, but I watched Easter service, you know, to give me some sense of normalcy, just hearing the organ play. And, you know, and so like that, when you when you realize that all these things exist on a spectrum, even though I can't have, you know, and so I said to my friend, I was like, you're acting as if because you aren't able to eat at a restaurant, you're starving for food. You know, you still have food at home, eat, eat what you have and enjoy and find ways to enjoy what you have. I think that's really tricky for people though. I think we always thought talk about like self-soothing behavior. And I think really culturally, we just have not practiced that a lot. And I think COVID-19 really lays that bare for people, which is even sort of entertaining yourself, being comfortable with solitude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. curious, I'm, I'm curious about sort of like those lessons that you think um, COVID-19 can instruct us in. <clears throat> well, I mean, first I wanna just say that COVID-19 is laying everything bare, right? Yep. Like you can no longer be a workaholic, and uh, you can't go, you can't hide in happy hour with friends. You can't be a shopaholic. You can't go to the gambling. You can't hide in church. You know, like whatever it is that you're dealing with, you are being forced to confront it. Um, but then, so I think you're right though, Trish, and how society will benefit from this is when we learn how to really love ourselves, everybody else is off the hook. Right. Like, I don't have to demand that you treat me this way, like in a particular way, because I've cultivated a healthy relationship with myself. And so, like, I don't know about lessons like this has been an ongoing journey for me personally of like learning how to really care for myself. But this is about doing experiments. Take a bath and see how it makes you feel. Buy a weighted blanket or practice with the, or put stack up a bunch of blankets on you and see how that makes you feel. Try cozy socks, drink tea, drink coffee. You know what I mean? Like, or any other recreational things that are legal wherever you live, you know, just like practice, all, explore with all kinds of things and see what makes you feel good. That's the only way you're going to learn. You're going to figure it out. It's through experimentation. I wonder if, there is a segment of the population who can reach for that so much easier 
than yes. other people. And I think about this, like when everyone's like, stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. That's easy for people like us. Like we can stay at home and work from home and we have the options to drink tea and take a bath and do the rest mm-hmm. of the stuff. But like people who especially needed the, the outside community because home was either not safe or not ideal. Like, you know, if you live with like- Or just cramped or just Yeah, cramped, right? if you live with a bunch of people and like church was your- place to go with a different bunch of people and like a very regimented space or the playground or whatever. And like, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I really enjoy it, but I'm just checking my own privilege at like, oh yes, I can drink tea. I can take a bath. I can masturbate. I can do all of those things that you're suggesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who don't have the space at home or the resources. Um, and I, I know that's always true, but I always, I always push back a little bit against this advice. Cause it's like, what if, you are from that other part of the population that gets left out of this conversation about how do you supplement all the things that you lost with what's within your four walls? Well, I mean, you have to ask yourself a very hard question about what was going on with your life that you were running from what was happening within your four walls so much, you know, like, and so as someone who was limited in my resources growing up, what I know, and, and as a therapist, what I know is there's always ways to create a sense of sanctuary for yourself when you've identified what that feeling is like for you. So even for little kids you, or, or teenagers, you'll find them, they'll put their headphones on and just sit in, the, in their room listening to music. That's their sanctuary. And I get it. Some kids don't have those. Um, most people in America have access to certain things, you know? And so I'm not talking about, like, clearly this would not apply for a kid in some village, some place where they don't sure. have shoes. Sure. Right? Like, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. But I, I mean, I know I, I'm concerned for my own family for those reasons, because they do live in New York City in what is, it, it, it's three bedrooms, but it's one level. You know, it's one level living and neither of my parents have left the house once. I don't think, well, no, my dad leaves and he shouldn't be, <laughs> he shouldn't be. Um, but my mom hasn't left the house in 30 days. That's not healthy. There's a scholar that I follow on Twitter that often talks about um, like, you know, people will be upset that people are on the beach or different kinds of things. And um, one of the points that she's always making is that you've got to really um, have thoughtful conversations about this, but we just don't have the right environment for it. Right. So, you know, her point is like outside can be fine if managed well, because mm-hmm. we're going to need fresh air. If this continues longer, yeah. we're going to need to create a space for those kinds of things, which can like open up the four walls a little bit, but partially because of the nature of how our societies organized, we've got to have like a zero sum organization but because otherwise people you know but, but I don't know what that is but it's zero sum for some of us you know i mean the, we were all together during the blackout and i remember walking across manhattan island looking at all those people and thinking to myself if something goes down this ain't the place to be like mm-hmm. i just i it was too many people and and at that time i didn't know to label the feeling that i was having as anxiety Mm-hmm. But that's what it was. And I was very intentional about going to live someplace where there were just less people. You know, and I, I understand, Chris, everybody can't just pack up and go. I know. I know. And and I, I, I'm not, I, I've lived 
all the spectrums. And I've lived the part of life when it's like, that's easy for you to say, lady. <laughs> but if you don't set an intention, you're dead in the water. Like yeah. there, you have no hope. You have to set an intention for it. So if I lived in a house that was highly cut, but, and, and you really, you have to align with it spiritually because you don't want to fight with your family, but like, it would be about how can we declutter at least one room so that we can sit in it and not feel the pressure, mm. you know, like that, I, that might be an actionable plan for some, I don't know. When you're maybe when you take a shower, take an extra two minutes just to sit in there quietly and breathe by yourself. It always comes back to being really intentional, which yes. I love because I love the idea of intent and really thinking about what you want and taking responsibility and letting go of excuses for why you can and can't do things. Like you, you know, maybe everyone, as you say, cannot take baths, or whatever, but there is a you can find a moment of solace. And it might just be a moment that might be all you get for the day. To mm -hmm. find out a way to enjoy that and really stretch that moment out in the fourth dimension in your mind. Just sort of like, mm -hmm. okay, I know I have three minutes. I'm going to breathe. I'm mm -hmm. going to, you know, smoke a cigarette. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do whatever. Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. You could get up before everybody else does. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting about your point, though, is there's a lot of self-interrogation and self-introspection self that has to happen there. Like a, a, a minding of yourself. Like, mm -hmm. what are my needs? And what's, you know, what do I have control over? Uh, you know, recognizing those moments, because even you yourself said you didn't recognize it as anxiety. I think that's a really big element right now is not knowing the thing that you're going through. Well, and that's the thing is that we were we were hiding behind auto, autopilot. Yeah. Right. We were hiding behind. I've been told I'm supposed to have a 40 hour work week. Um, I've been told that I'm supposed to have a house with picket fence or whatever, whatever the stories are. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. And so then you just go with the pro automatic program. Then it's like, okay, well then if what everybody else told me I was supposed to do I'm here, then what do I actually want? I can see, I think it's funny to watch too, because I can feel there are these triggers for people. Do you know, like you can see, People are sort of like, like even the piece that you've described where there's a moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm resting. And then the anxiety increases. I'm resting. Am I resting too much? What's going on? Am I, you know what I mean? So there's these like, how, how do we get back on track? What Like language like that, back on track, back to normal. What do you think of when you hear people say, let's get back to normal? I'm I curious hope about people. I hope, we never, I hope we never go back to normal. What's what normal? We had Were we normal was, before? Right. If that was normal, I'm good on not getting back to it. <laughs> what does that, what does that mean a question for everyone when you hear i hear that every day you know sometimes i get my anxiety creeps up suddenly like it suddenly and it bursts through for like 20 minutes when i'm completely paranoid and terribly upset and if someone's nearby i'll ask weird questions like i'll be talking to friends on the phone i'll be like what if we never see each other again what if and they're like don't oh, stop things are going to go back to normal and i'm always like what does that mean like what does that mean with millions like out of work and billions of dollars being assigned to help us all out. I mean, that money, like, what is, I don't think we're ever getting back to normal. Our lives are really changed. But what does well, that mean to you all? Like when you well, hear that? Can I just say, I think the funny thing is when you talk to anyone and I mean, anyone, including me, if you were to go back, you know, two months ago and say, how's everything? No one would be like, everything's perfect. I yeah. want it to stay just like this. We were all like, oh, I, 
I got to make more January, money. I need to move. I need to do this. Back in January, when I asked you guys, like, oh, how you doing? You weren't like normal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just normal. I so. mean, there has always been the specter of death. The specter of death is around us always, right? Dark. But its presence is so crystal clear now. And it always was. Like, I don't know when my time is up, right? That's the thing. I never knew. It could have always been now. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But the presumption, though, that this disease has has actually advanced that time, made it ever more present. I mean, I think for me, I'm really clear that that's what normalcy for me is, is to not live with this overarching sense of death hanging over everything. That's, mm. That, to me, is the normal part. The larger question of normalcy and going back to work or any of those kinds of things, that's less resonant for me, but it is really sort of the, um, the constant confrontation, confronting of death. That's been it for me. I was in the supermarket a week ago. I was wearing gloves and shopping, and I was really hyper-focused on getting out of there as quickly as possible. It was before they started lining up. They line up at the supermarkets now. It was before that. So I got in there. I was like, I just got to get out. I just got to get out. And my like jaw was so tight. Like, I was, yeah. was clenching my jaw. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then an eyelash fell in my eye. <laughs> and you're like, screwed. Such a little thing, right? I am in tears in the aisle <laughs> looking at my hands. I can't see. Like, I got one eye like squinting. And I'm like, do I touch my eye like what what do i like is this worth it like i could just drop this stuff i can find my way home with one eye like this is to your point trisha is like Mm -hmm. that kind of calculus like do i rub my eye and die Mm -hmm. (laughs) it feels i can't wait for that to be over if it ever is i mean they're they're, the science is still evolving on what this thing is going to do to our society but that's the thing though is that 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 is a pattern of thinking that is a choice I don't judge that pattern of thinking, Chris, because I think about stuff myself, right? But I don't have, we don't have to, you know, like, because the, the days that I'm feeling most anxious, I don't go to the supermarket. I just don't go, you know, like, or like I try to minimize my contact with the rest of the world as best as I can. Because there's some days where I just get really scared. And frankly, it's the days that I think about my parents more than any other thing, you know? Well, let me push back on you for a second, though, because Mm -hmm. like, while it's a choice to get yourself into that state, right? At what point is it a realistic anxiety versus not taking it seriously? That is a fine line, and it's different for everybody. There was an article I I read yesterday, which was like, the answer to all your coronavirus questions, all the loopholes are no. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just, that's the entire article just said that, like, but what if I just hang out with my friends and there's, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just going to go see my mom. I'll just sit in the backyard. No, no, you can't do any of that. And that's because like the virus is not interested in your anxiety levels. It's not interested in what you think or believe may happen. Mm -hmm. Like science is science and it will Mm -hmm. do what it's going to do on a micro level. And that's just that. So I guess that's my question. Like, while I understand that you're saying anxiety somewhere along the line, right? Right. The way you're handling is a choice. Deciding that, look, I'm not going to be anxious about this could also be irresponsible. I would set an intention to have as calm a shopping experience as possible. Hmm. And as such, I'm going to go be the first one in the door when they open. 
and I'm going to get the things that I need as expeditiously as you did, right? And then leave. And so that is how you use your intention to kind of guide your choices to avoid being in that experience. Do your clients struggle or struggle with the intentionality? Because I got to say, life is like a bunch of just moving through moments and sometimes not even unpacking it, right? Like what I love is what you just did. Like, what do you want to happen? How do you uh manage for those aspects of it? So my clients, none of them are new to me. Yeah. We've been working together for several months um, at minimum. And they're used to this, you know, like, and so like they've lived enough life and have seen for themselves um, what a difference intentionality makes or like how getting out of ahead of it as one of my teachers um, would always say, get out ahead of it. Right. So what happens when you start the morning off by meditating and then, you know, are intentional about doing something that feels good and nourishing to your body before you go out the door you know, and prioritizing like your own self-care over rushing to get to work, to be there on time because of what somebody else thinks, you know? And so they, they, they're they used to all of that and they've seen the benefit of like trying to get themselves in as good a feeling place as they can before they tackle the hard questions. And then everything kind of is easier as a result of that preparation, you know, it's, it's proactively living life as opposed to reactively. And you can't just turn on a dime. (laughs) No, no one can just turn. You can't, right? Like I would never say to you, and that's why I said, Chris, I'm not judging the response that you had because in that moment, I would never say, get it together, Chris, what's going on? You know, Mm -hmm. like, no, like you're feeling the way you were feeling in that moment for legitimate reasons. And there was a lot of momentum that built up to that point, you know? And so all I'm saying is build momentum that feels good before you go and interact with the world. And then things kind of hit you a little differently. So maybe in that moment, Chris, I don't know, as a, for instance, you close your eyes, you breathe, you put the groceries down and you decide to go home without your stuff. It just takes the edge off a little bit. I I don't know. Then you have to deal with it by coming to get groceries tomorrow. I know, but at least you didn't collapse today. And that's the other thing. Everybody, like, just get through today. That's all you need to do. <laughs> I, I love this advice. I always love intentionality, like setting intentions. I I, I think too many people, well, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stand in that as well. Too many of us just... We walk through life assuming that things are going to fall the way that they are, and then we'll just handle them when they do. And it's like, what? Well, or, or you can decide the kind of day you want to have. You can decide the kind of project you want to work on. You can decide how you're going to perform on this thing and then follow through with that. And I think that what you're talking about, Rosenny, is the part that a lot of people, I think, miss. It's a lot of mental energy, which is why people to default to it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. As we right. see in the protest this, right. this week, um, well, people I mean, are just wanting to wish this thing away. Cause it's a lot of work to think about this sort of thing. Well, and that's the thing though, is that like, I, I certainly didn't intend for my wedding to be canceled. I certainly didn't intend to potentially lose thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in, in the app you know, of whatever of that. Okay. So I didn't intend for any of that, but I do intend to have peace in my life. So then that just says, well, how can I deal with this as best as possible? 
you're awesome. I wish we had more time. But Rosanna, I love you guys. I love you. <laughs> but uh, we we want to hear something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced uh, during this moment when you have probably have a lot of time on your hands that you think you would suggest that other people see, hear, uh, read, or experience. What would that be for you? I've been encouraging all my clients to treat themselves like a three-month-old baby, which means when you're sleepy, go to sleep. When you're hungry, get something to eat. When you need a bath, take scream one. at the top of your lungs. What if if you ha- scream at the t- if that's what you? I mean, three-month-old babies tend to scream because they need one of these other things. Okay. But if we will add that, give yourself permission to be Job. I always refer to Job in the Old Testament, right? Put on your sack, roll around in ashes, and wail. You know, like sometimes that's just all you can do. Like let yourself have all the feelings. But more importantly, like be very tender and careful with yourself within the confines of your life. Like you don't need to have a bathtub if you, you know, whatever, however you can find some peace and some self-care for yourself. Even if it's closing your eyes and putting on headphones, that will give you a, a lot. Dampening your brow with a warm towel. All of those things. <laughs> I don't know why that sprung to mind. But if you have a warm towel, it sounds give it like a go. something you should do. All right. Rosani, why are you such a gem? Answer me. I love you guys. <laughs> we love you so much. We love yeah, you so do. much. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear about your wedding. But yeah, like I, I trust that it's all good. And yeah, will you come back and talk to us again? Whenever you invite me. Well, <laughs> listen, listen. The next time one of the three of us can't do it, you are gonna step in and be the guest. So let's, oh, let's, let's yeah. do that. I let's do that. that. And on that note, everybody, bye. bye. bye.